Hi everybody, welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. It's so good to be back. I've been gone for a few days, just resting. But I'm rested up and I feel pretty good today. So, here I am. So, welcome back. I'm glad all of you are back here today. And I am going to share just things from my heart. I feel like there's new popping shoots and plants coming out of the soil of my heart. And... um so I'm going to be sharing some of those things with you. And, you know, before I get started, I just want to say this, you know, doing this kind of work, um, you know, and, I, th and this goes for all of you, you know, because all of you are doing a work for the Lord. All of you are doing something for Christ. We all have a note that sounds into the world. We all have our own aroma. It's not just people that have YouTube channels and preach the word of God or people that stand at pulpits or but we each have um, a job committed to us, a work committed to us from the Lord. And so this should speak to you. So this is just loosely off of my heart. Um, you know, there's a thing I call, I call cul-de-sacking in the spirit. You know how like you are running in the path of God's commandments and you're, you're flowing with living water and God's washing your steps with butter and he's anointing your head with oil. I mean, things go good. And then all of a sudden you realize that something's changing. And sometimes it's a little like, uh Oh, what's happening? Have I sinned against the Lord or something I'm not seeing? And so we, we tend to think that because we want to be, we want clean hands and a pure heart, you know, because we're to lift up, holy hands unto a holy God. So of course we want to do that, but there comes a point where uh, what I've experienced is that God will bring us to the end of relying on things that we've gotten used to, even the things that he's given us to do for the work that he's given us, whatever it is that you do in your life as a believer as a fellow laborer in the fields of the world. Um, and I think you can relate to that. So I, I was thinking that we, we tend to cul-de-sac and then we try, and it, it's hard, right? Look, I'm trying to find the right words. So I'll just bl blast it out. <laughs> However it comes out, it comes out. Okay. So this is what I was thinking the other day. I was thinking, you know, Lord, I said, and of course you guys have heard me say, I don't want to become a talking head, right? But none of us want to be talking heads, right? There's enough talking heads out there that will talk everybody else's heads off until eternity comes. But we are people that are hungry and thirsty every day. We want the Lord every day. We don't want to feed off something old or dry. We don't want a dry, crusty piece of bread. We want fresh bread. We want the fresh manna of heaven, and sometimes it seems that the things that we're doing, uh, we we may rely too heavy on inspiration. Like, oh, I can't do anything unless I'm inspired or um, that, you know, we, we develop what I call spiritual habits, um, even in prayer. You know, like we, we can and I'm going to be talking to you about prayer and I'm going to be talking to you about other things in relation to prayer that what begins uh that we're having so much success on. I'm not even saying we're ending up in the flesh. I'm just saying that 
with sincere, humble hearts and seeing through a glass darkly, we keep doing the same thing. And so like an eagle begins to pluck the nest apart until her young ones tumble down and are forced to fly. They're going to stay in that nest forever. And, you know, we all have heard that story before. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a baby in spirit forever. Like I want to be mature and I want to be, uh, you know, we're, we're to grow into the full maturity of the full stature of Jesus Christ. And that cannot be unless God comes in and says, okay, you're going to start doing things different. Though we may not hear those words, um, we start to notice that he's plucking some of the sticks out of the nest. So I think that um, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to continue. Heavenly Father, I come before you on this brand new day. And Lord Jesus, I bow before you. I bow before the God of heaven and earth. Lord, I seek you with my whole heart. With my entire spirit, soul, and body, I seek for you. Lord, I look to you as your vessel prepared aforetime unto glory, a vessel of mercy. Lord, I give myself over unto you for the preaching of the cross, for the message of the gospel of eternal life. I pray that every word I speak will be dipped in heaven. Lord, give me the tongue of the learned. Give me the ear of the learned. And Lord, I will follow you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes and the ears of everyone that will hear this message and Lord, I'm only flesh and flesh and blood, but your spirit lives within me. So I pray that you would hold back the things that would interfere of myself, of my flesh, but that your Holy Spirit would have free course, your word would have free course, and that you will carry this message onward and you will anoint it into the hearts and minds of those of the lives that will be listening to this message. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And I commend my spirit unto you. I commit myself and this message into the hands of Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I was saying, you know, um, there's time that God will permit something to enter into your life and mine. And... Yes, I was diagnosed with lupus, which, by the way, I found out again now that I don't have it and I just have an autoimmune. So I'm really happy. Thank you for your prayers. And I'm going to go on with my life. So I just want you to got you guys to know that. So everything's going good. But, you know, I will tell you, you know, I'm still feeling that real tiredness and that fatigue. And sometimes it's overwhelming. And, you know, I spent, you know, and I'm positive about it, but I'm still human. And I went through some... Um, you know, some, I went through some places in my head. I mean, I have the human experience where I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? And okay, now I got to learn this and learn that. And then I was tired. And, and, and so I felt there was a few days in a row where I felt um, a little fearful. And I felt like I was clawing at his door, like, oh, Lord, 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 Lord. And I thought to myself after three days, I'm exhausted from doing that. And like, why, why am I doing that? And the Lord allowed me to feel my weakness. And I was like, okay, you know something? 
I believe that you're allowing this in my life and that I believe what's happening to you in your life. If not, there's no, if since God knows everything about your life and he knows everything that you think before you speak it, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He can count every leaf on every tree. He called the stars by name. He numbers them. I mean, we can go on and on about his creation and how he is omniscient, omnipotent, and beyond our understanding. But I think it's important for us to understand that there are times, like myself, there there was a few days, probably for like a week because of weakness, I was like, Lord, I just, my prayer life feels like, I mean, because I'm so used to getting up, putting it before the Lord. I'm not saying I'm, and I am regimented, but I'm not one of those regimented intercessors where I come with a list and this and that and this and that. In fact, my tiredness brought me, and this has been working through my life where I have, you know, I remember there was days in the past where I'd come with a list like, Lord, I pray for them, pray for this, pray for this over here and that person's niece and that person's uh, uncle and this person to have a job and this and that. And like, I always say, um, I wore myself out from that. Like I was, and I realized I said, one day I said, Lord, I'm praying. I'm praying for so many things. I'm spreading myself out so thin in prayer that I'm, I feel like I'm praying for nothing. And I want to talk to you about when you're not able to pray and there's different things about prayer and we get locked in to, oh, I can't pray. I'm too weak. And then, the, you know, and we don't always have to say it's the enemy. Like, oh, the enemy, he was causing me not to pray. Sometimes physically, you're just not going to be able to pray. Maybe emotionally, you're not going to be able to even open up your mouth. David even said that a man after God's own heart. He said, um, he said, uh, I am so troubled. I cannot speak. Right. And so there's different times that it is hard for us to speak in prayer. But we have to understand prayer was given to us from God. And since you are born again, his Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in you moves in you. And it's far greater the aspect of prayer than what we think. Now, we all hear different quote, you know, different sayings of prayer prayerless life is a powerless life. And there's all these quotes, but I'll tell you something. You're never going to know how to pray or you're never, ever going to get closest to God until you are in prayer. Prayer unites you with Christ. Prayer connects you with God. Your faith in prayer and believing connects you with Christ. And let's face it, we're human. We're not always going to have all those things. But let me tell you something. Don't be afraid of when you find yourself laid out flat, whatever it is. If you're being overwhelmed by your enemies in the flesh, if you're being overwhelmed by bad illness, if you're being overwhelmed by an impending doom feeling sort of thing, then this is the video that you're going to want to watch. And I give all the glory to Jesus Christ because trust me or trust, trust what I'm saying I could not be here if it were not for him. And so let me go back to this and I'm going to get into some scriptures here because I'm going to make a point. You know, I struggled like for the last few days. I said, Lord, I've been away for a long time, but I feel so weak. I feel so tired. I could barely pray. 
I would get up and I would get my coffee and I would sit there before the Lord. And I was really having trouble praying, but I've been around a long time. So I don't fret over that. I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? I can't get words out. I think I say to the Lord, Lord, you're greater than my heart. You're greater than all things. I said, right now I'm going to table a lot of things that I usually pray about. And I'm going to get quiet with you. And um, I, there was one night that I, one whole day and a night that I felt the presence of the enemy. And it was the day that I felt the weakest. And I was like, oh, okay. You know what? I was so weak, I could barely pray. But I, in my mind, I could pray. You know why? Because my mind could always pray. My heart could always pray. And think about this. God never sleeps and God is not weary. Neither is he tired. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. And he lives in us. So I was aware of the presence of the enemy. But I thought to myself, yeah, well, the presence of the enemy might be here trying to make me stumble and fall like, oh, Lord, Lord, what am I going to do? And I'm like, no way, I'm not going down that road because I've been down that road where I've gone, oh, no, what am I going to do and everything. And then I kind of felt like the enemy grip. No, the enemy did grab a hold on me. And, you know, I do want to say that, you know, the, the prayer life uh, is really, you know, it's, um, you know, the Lord says that men ought always to pray and not to faint, right? Then he goes into a whole discourse in Luke 18 about he's giving examples and allegories on how to pray and the position and posture of prayer. But the enemy tries to get us in the flesh to pray. But you know what it says? If I don't, if I sing, let me sing with my understanding. If I pray, let me pray with understanding, you know, so when we pray, um, I want to encourage you today that when you're praying, it's not about how you sound and what words are coming out of your mouth. It's about your heart. And, you know, and I, I, I was reading this out of Streams in the Desert where she said, no temptation in the life of intercession is more common than this failure to persevere. The person who forms the habit of beginning without finishing has simply formed the habit of failure. The one who begins to pray about a certain thing and does not pray it through to a successful issue of answer has formed the same habit in prayer. How long do we pray for a person or something? Can we leave it in God's hands? And the answer is to pray until the thing you're praying for has been granted or until you have assurance in our, your heart that it will be so. And keep in mind that prayer is not a calling upon God, but it's also conflict with Satan. See, you know, it's it's really a no-brainer, right, when the enemy attacks us or when illness comes to us, because either the Lord is allowing that illness or a buffeting of the enemy to come upon us um, for, th there's a purpose to it, okay? And that may be hard for some of you to hear, like, well, I, I don't, I didn't come onto this channel so I can hear Joni say, well, you know, you're you're being buffeted and you're getting ready to lose everything because it's the purpose of God. You have to understand that God is good. He's not going to leave you in the fire. He went into the fire with those three boys. He walked and marched through the wilderness and through the Red Sea with armies behind the, you know, the children of Israel. He was with them going through the Red Sea. And he's been walking with you even before you knew him. 
even before you do. I, I was listening to a little, I don't know, I, I looked at some little video and I said, what is that about? It says five, five-year-old little girl um, remembers visit with Jesus, something like that, near-death experience. And, I, and it was real short. And this little girl was born and she started to have a lot of trouble at newborn. And she went in and out of so many illnesses. And by the time she was five, uh, and she had some kind of surgery in between then. And uh, it was about five years old she had a surgery. And during the surgery, um, her little spirit went to heaven. And so she recovered from the surgery and she went, she was fine. Like she prospered in health. And a day came where she said to her mother, she said, I wonder when I get to see God again. Her mother said, you know, she's a Christian. And her mother said, why are you saying that? And she said, well, because... When I went to the hospital that day, I saw him. She said, you saw him. She goes, mm-hmm. She said, there's rainbows all around him. And she described him a little bit. I want to get into it because I don't remember her exact words. But she said that he said to her that uh, he hugged her and he thanked her for being his friend. And she went back into her body. And I thought, isn't that precious that God told a little girl that really doesn't know anything at five years old, but he thanked her for being his friend. And, you know, I think that we have so humanized and we have so created God in a sense in our own mind that God has left us, that he He hasn't remembered us completely, um, that his... his um, mercies are not completely enduring forever even though we will confess with our mouth and go oh no no the mercy of the lord is from everlasting to everlasting and you know his his righteousness endureth forever but you know we're never going to know those things are sure until things are happening in our life and it's a per, i can pretty much guarantee there's something going on in your life as well as mine well so let me say this so i remember saying for an entire week that's fine if i can't pray I can barely pray a little bit, but I want you to know I'm going nowhere. And I still got up. I sat before the Lord. I said the few words that I can. And I've been having a lot of shortness of breath. And I said to Jesus, I said, Lord, I said, you're going to have to help me with breathing because I'm having trouble breathing. And I said, I feel like I can't even do anything. Well, I said, Lord, I really need you to minister to me. I said, there's no one that can minister to me but you. I said, I can only sit here and wait for you. Well, after that, somebody sent me a song. And I listened to that song, and immediately my entire living room filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ. And then I started listening to other, and then I was led to listen to more and to listen to more and to listen to more. And while I was doing it, I felt that the, Lord was beating down the enemy before my face. And all I had to do was sit there and sing. And I could barely sing at the beginning. And I remember even saying to the Lord, Lord, I wish I can sing like them. And and I felt God telling me over the course of three days, like, um, keep worshiping, music only, music only. And so there were certain songs I was playing that are very, very anointed. And I, I just would sit before them and prep, play them over and over again. I was taking naps with it in my ear. Um, I was walking around. Next thing you know, I felt my lungs began to fill up with air, like 
I began to breathe easier. I began to sing along. Next thing you know, I felt like strength was returning into my body. And, you know, I thought about that, how I began with prayer. I began with it, you know, and I, I was thinking about what it says in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. And Elijah said to Ahab, you know, Elijah, um, you know, this was after, uh, you know, his dramatic showdown with the 850 pagan prophets. You know, the word Carmel means vineyard, garden of God, orchard, or fruitful. And that was a place Elijah went, you know. And you got to have a place to go. You have to have a corner of your house. It has to be private prayer. It's not like tossing up a few words to Christ. And I'm going to talk about this right now because from here, it took me over over to the next thing. It's Eli. Okay, so then Elijah said unto Ahab, Verse 41, get thee up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. He went to refresh himself. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth. And he put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and the wind and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You know the part where it says, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. He was shutting everything out. That was going, he went down onto his knees. He bowed so low to this face to the ground that his face went between his knees, that his knees covered his ears. His eyes went down. He couldn't see anything. It was such a posture of abstraction that he shut everything out. And it was the absolute resolve of a man who was saying, I'm going to pray this into fulfillment. Because through Elijah, God said, remember Elijah told Ahab, you know, he prayed that, that God would shut up the heaven for three and a half years that it would rain not for three years, that it wouldn't rain not. So at the end now, the war being over, him fulfilling what he needed to fulfill, saying, you know, doing the demonstration that God is the God of Israel, the demonstration of God's great power, because the altar was broken down and there was other altars. and But God demonstrated with great magnificent power of fire coming down upon his altar and licking up all the water and the sacrifice. And the people said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And so finishing that, that's what he told Ahab, go refresh yourself. And he went his way to fulfill, to pray, to fulfill what God said he would do in prayer. Well, you know, sometimes we will say, 
there is nothing. But, you know, there's something about going back and going back. There's something, something rose up in me, you guys, something courageous, something powerful that said to me, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if I'm gasping before everybody. I'm going to believe the Lord for the breath of life. I'm trusting God because I thought to myself, I said, I was, you know, like David uh, encouraging himself in the, uh, the cave of Agilom. I was encouraging myself saying, what are you going to do, Joni? What are you going to do? And I thought about David when the Jebusites told him, you're not coming in here. And it said, nevertheless, he took, he took Jebusite and he built a fort and he built up. That became, he said, nevertheless, he took it. And I, the Lord spoke to me. I heard that in my spirit. He said, take it. Just take it. There comes a moment where you rise up and you just take it. You can't wait for somebody else to encourage you. You can't wait for somebody else to give you permission. You can't, you don't have strength to read somebody's third hand knowledge, how they got through it, which is good for the most part. I'm not putting it down. Understand what I'm saying. There's sometimes you need to go to your Carmel. You need to go to that garden of God, that fruitful vineyard, and you need to put your face between your knees. And you need to cover your ears from the world and you need to let your eyes be covered. And you take that posture of abstraction and you say, you know, you know, I, I, I look at that part where it says there is a sound of abundance of rain. Well, according as we read here, there was blue skies because he said he sent his servant. He said, go up now toward the sea. And he went up and looked and he said, no, I don't see anything. He said, well, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time. He said, there riseth a little cloud of the sea like a man's, man's hand. But we saw that there were black clouds and wind and there was great rain. So that little cloud brought forth great rain and thunder. It doesn't say thunder, but I mean, black clouds. I could just imagine thunder and raining and it said great rain. So not only did the Lord just let it sprinkle the Lord caused a great deluge of rain. Okay. Now, let me say something here. I was looking at a, a scripture in Job 14, 7 through 9. It says, for there is hope of a tree. As far as I know, according to Matthew chapter 7, we should be fruit bearing trees, right? But sometimes we get cut down, don't we? Something in life cuts us down. It's just the way it is. It says, for there is hope of a tree if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth bows like a plant. And, you know, so we say, Elijah says, there is abundance of rain that I hear. There's a sound of the abundance of rain that I hear. He was the only one that can hear it. Everybody else is probably, his, not everybody else. I mean, his, obviously his servant was with him and he was probably thinking, okay, you know. But it's, if you are truly a fruit bearing tree, one day you're going to get pruned back really hard. And maybe there's going to be several prunings and normally there is. But it says the fruit the root is what bears the fruit. And it says there is hope of a tree. 
if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, that the tender branch thereof will not cease. It says, though the, I mean, and the, when it says, though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stalk thereof die in the ground, I look at that as a tree, an old tree. Some of us are old trees. Some of you are way older than me as an old tree. It says, yet through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth bows like a plant through the scent of water. You know, I love something Amy Carmichael said. She said, if I cannot catch the sound, the sound of the noise of rain long before the rain falls and going to some, some hill and going to some hilltop of the spirit as near to my God as I can and have not faith to wait there with my face between my knees Though six times or 60 times I am told there's nothing. Till at last there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea. Then I know nothing of Calvary love. You know why? Because love believes, love waits, love hopes, love trusts, love bears all things. And when we read that 1 Corinthians 13, we read it in terms of a horizontal thing, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't vaunt itself. You know, all these things. Yeah. And yes, we are to have that kind of character towards all people that we live around. That's the character. That's the new life, the new creation living in us. But maybe we need to be more patient with God and show more love to the Lord. You know, and and the, and, the, and I'm telling you, you guys, our life is a work. It is a beautiful work on the potter's wheel. Don't think that you have to arrive at some point. You don't want to arrive you want to grow in degrees and power and grace and glory and might and honor and riches and wisdom. You want to grow up into Christ, into the full stature of him. Now, let me go over here, because when I began to sing, um, I thought of Je Jehoshaphat. And in First Chronicles, let me go here. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter 20, it says, and it came to pass, verse 1. After this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in En-Gadai. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself for to seek the Lord. Oh, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord, right? So they're in prayer now. They're like, what are we going to do? You know, that's the first thing you do is you seek the Lord, right? When you when you have something coming against you, you seek the Lord. You, you take it seriously. He's the only one that has the power against a great army that's coming against you. If something is coming against you, that's great. Keep listening. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heaven of the heathen and in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God who did strive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the sea to, Abra to 
the seed of Abraham, thy friend. I love how he said that. He's reminding God that God doesn't need to be reminded, but it's important for us to say it, right? When he said, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, your friend. I mean, they're the children of Abraham forever. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O God, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. You know, when when you have said what you're going to say, you know, you say now our eyes are upon thee. You know, you get to a point where you could pray it out. You pray it out where you just get it out and you go, it's in your hands. It's too great. My, the, my enemies are stronger than, than I am. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the son, sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He took it on. He received their prayer. So wonderful. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle, See, because every battle is different. They italicize the word this in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see. Remember, I always told you it's all about seeing. And see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. I mean, when you really think about the faith that it took for those people, to go out against three of those mighty kingdoms. He said, go out there, but don't do anything. Just stand there and you'll see. You know what it takes? You know what kind of faith that takes? These people didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. They just had a man, prophets. I mean, they had a man just come in and tell them, Jehaziel, you're not going to need to fight here. Just set yourselves, stand still, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Don't fear. Just go out against them. And don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. The Lord will be with you. 
And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Do you see that? Just like Elijah. It's a, it's a posture where it's an absolute surrender. We are in your hands. And all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth unto the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood. Can't you just picture that beautiful scene, that powerful scene? And said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets. So shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when he began, they began to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Ammon. I don't know. Some people say it differently. Moab and against Sair, which were come against Judah and they were smitten for the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sair utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Sire, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance, both riches with dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the Valley of Barakah for there. They blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Barakah. And then it goes on. It says, then the last part I want to read was, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for as God gave him rest round about. You know, sometimes for me, God sent in the singers. God sent in the singers for me. And God showed me some, he revived my soul. And let me say this to you. There's a valley of Barakah for you. You start off at Mount, you start off in the Mount Carmel and start with prayer. Put your face between your knees. And you stay there until you hear, you know, I mean, until you, you get the assurance. You stay there until you get the assurance that God in your heart. That's the only way you can leave off from praying. But just like Eli, just like Elijah said, I'm going to fulfill what God said he's going to do. Now I'm going to pray for rain. And he said, I hear the abundance of rain. A tree, it says, though it's cut down, its roots are old and stock is dead. It said, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and flourish again. Look, God is not, there's no end of you. There's not an end of me. You know, we may be in this body of flesh, but praise the Lord. 
the God of Jehoshaphat that stood with them that said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to fear not. Sometimes that's going to happen. He's going to say, send in the singers, send in the singers. They And praise the Lord for his beauty of holiness. Praise him for the beauty of us. Sing songs of his holiness and declare his works with rejoicing in song. Declare his name among the heathen. Sing those songs that exalt the name of the Lord on high. Magnify him in song. Because there is a type of anointing that comes in that you only have to sing. You know, I'll tell you, you know, the works of the Lord are great. You know, I think that in our life, we ought to say in the language of our master, for this purpose we were born and for this purpose we have come into the world, that we should bear witness to the truth. And we are to live and declare the works of the Lord, that he is good and his mercy endureth forever. You know, I think there is a full surrender that has to happen and changes. You know, I thought about Psalm 23, verse 1 and 2, you know, where the first part where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He makes me to lie down a green pasture. We can take so many lessons from that. But you know what I saw this time? That sometimes, like I was, I'm going to come full circle to what I said in the beginning about how you come to the end of leaning on the way of doing things and always relying on an inspiration. And sometimes we can make inspiration an idol and the way we do things an idol. And sometimes, and we don't realize that we shut out the literal inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe that when God takes us and he makes us, the chief shepherd makes us to lie down in green pastures, it's because he's stopping us. He's stopping us from doing things our way, even though we're doing it with sincerity and goodness and faithful hearts. Because when the next part that says, for he leaves me beside still waters. He's giving you new instructions. And then he makes me to walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I think sometimes he will lay us out on the green grass. And because he has new paths for us to dwell in. He has new vistas for us to see. New heights for us to climb. New path, new paths. And I think we fight it so much, you know. It's about surrendering. But we don't really know how to surrender until a lot, until I think most of the time we find ourselves, I don't want to use a bankrupt, but saying, you know, I feel like I'm drinking, eating old bread and drinking water that's been processed. <laughs> Old water sitting in a bottle for the last week. No one wants to drink old water. I don't. I don't want to eat old bread, break off the moldy pieces and eat the parts that don't have mold. Who wants to live like that? 
I want the full brimming life of Jesus Christ living in myself and in you. You know, I love what Amy Carmichael says. No vision of the night can show, no word declare what longings of love divine. Love waits till the heart, all weary and sick of itself, turns to its Lord and says, take full possession. There is no need to plead that the love of God shall fill our heart as though he were unwilling to fill us. He is willing as light is willing to flood a room that is open to its brightness. Willing as water is willing to flow into an emptied channel. You know, sometimes we need to be emptied so we get filled up. And that, you know, I think about what it says um, in Isaiah 58. And um, though I'm not a fan of the NIV, when I didn't know any better and I was a girl, God gave me this word. I mean, he printed it in my heart. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And David says in Psalm 87, 7, all my springs are in thee. Make sure if you're going through something really tough, go to your Mount Carmel because there is a sound of rain and there is a song for you in the Valley of Barakah. <laughs>